Welcome back to STG Talks. We're your hosts, Kevin and James, based in Chicago and Scotland, and we're here to inspire you to take action towards achieving the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Each week's episode, we will be talking with changemakers about their grassroots and global initiatives related to the 2030 Agenda. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode, and please be sure to check out the show notes for links and further reading. The answer is no. You don't have to be an active, you know, videographer or photographer to be involved in the SDGs. And you certainly don't have to be um, a self-proclaimed artist to be involved in the arts. One of the beautiful things about art is it's a universal language for everyone. And there's no qualifiers for it. Um, You don't need to be a self-proclaimed painter to paint something. You don't need to be a self-proclaimed singer to sing. Hello, SDG talkers, welcome back. Today is the launch of a little mini-series that we're doing with the NGO IFF, the International Film Festival, focused on a range of topics around the Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, This film festival is really going to look at the human interest stories themed alongside these SDGs. And today, you're going to hear from Taylor Ava Fryer, who has a range of different backgrounds across the art world. She launched this organization called Art Unknown and has said this phrase a couple times around unconventional art in unconventional spaces via the voice of black and brown voices. Taylor is very passionate around all things SDGs, five, gender equality, climate action, partnership for the goals, and is gonna touch on some aspects of women leadership, the decolonization of art and climate action, and how art can be this universal language to empower us all to move forward towards the SDGs. I know you're all gonna enjoy listening to this and make sure to check out the film festival, which is happening October 20th to 22nd, and talk to you all soon. Taylor Ava Fryer, welcome to the SDG Talks podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here. Awesome. Well, where in the world are you located today? So actually, I'm in a little town called Taxco, T-A-X-C-O, Mexico, um, which is not a a really well-known location. It's about three hours outside of Mexico City by bus. And I've been camped out here for a couple of weeks now, working on some writing. It's really peaceful. Seems like a great place to do that. And, and I had saw in your, your bio or some of your description, you'd mentioned the, the aspect of slow travel. And I appreciate that of sort of staying in a place for an extended period of time and really getting into the, the culture and, and being able to, to dive in. And, and I'm sure for you, get some of your creative work done. Absolutely. I think... There's a difference between visiting a place and knowing a place. And I'm from California originally, but I've been on the road. I left the U.S. about 10 years ago. um, And I realized very quickly that my preferred method of traveling is the one where I can learn as much as possible and really take things in. So, yeah, slow travel is the way to go for me. Couldn't agree anymore and appreciate that context. So I've, I've really enjoyed just getting to know you and watching some of your videos and, and this our pre-conversation. And um, I'd love to hear kind of when you, when I hear your background and you work in the development space, which is, which is such an exciting space to be in, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'd love if you could give us a little bit of insights to your background. And, and when you say development space, like what, what does development really even mean to you in your eyes? Yeah, it's a good question. So I'll start with a little bit of my background. So first, I'm a writer professionally, and I also work as a communications advisor and an art historian and a curator. So 
I wear quite a few hats um, in and out of the development space. But my background actually started in tech. Um, when I was living in California, I worked at Google uh, for several years. And one of my jobs was editor-in-chief of Google's Women in Technology initiatives, which was essentially looking at women in the Middle East and Sub-Saharan Africa and helping them through giving them resources to get them attracted to STEM, which was and still is a pretty male-dominated space. So I started having interest in emerging markets and development at that time. But it wasn't until later in my career, back to school, getting the proper uh, credentials that I could really enter the development space, which ended up being the World Bank and later the United Nations Development Program. So when I say development space, I, I think it's a really interesting question because um, the word development has evolved over time. For me, I think the development space is looking through different lenses as how you might grow economies. So you could look at development from the climate context, from the sociological context, from the artistic context, from the economic context. And you'll find a lot of people who end up in developmental spaces have a specialization a lot of the time. So you might have economists that work in the development space. So they look at how they might grow societies through economic structures, for example. You might have sociologists that work in the development space and they look at soci socioeconomic structures perhaps um, to figure out how we might bring the development agenda forward. So that's what I think of when I think of development. Um, but just going back to my, my background, as you mentioned, I'm a slow traveler. And so during my career, which has been almost a decade in the development space, um, I've gotten to travel quite a lot. And um, it's only reinforced my, my commitment to um, working in, in development. Um, this is translated into my education even. My bachelor's and master's were in the U.S. and the U.K., but as I mentioned, I'm holed up in a little house right now um, because I'm in the last couple months of my PhD, um, which I'm doing at the University of Cape Town in South Africa, which is where I've been living for the last four years. And I'm studying art history. So to the untrained eye, it looks like a pivot, but I'm finding that art is having a wonderful renaissance as part of furthering the development agenda. So um, the best thing I can tell you about myself is I'm positioning myself as a thought leader to bring those conversations forward, the intersection of development and art. Kudos to you. And I, I'm a little envious as well. I feel like you kind of have this, this old man in the sea, like this Ernest, Ernest Hemingway vibe right now. I feel like you're kind of like out in this beautiful Mexico, peaceful area, just in your element. So I think that that, of course, is important to get that mindset <laughs> to create. It's very Hemingway, but less booze. Yeah, that's probably good. <laughs> you know, uh, so yes. it's every, everything moderation is good. And I like when you talked about development through lenses. And I think a lot of times we do hear about it with social, economic, and environmental lenses. And in some regards, whoever you talk to, one of them is more important than the other based on who they are and whatever their special interests are. Um, but what, I, what I'm really intrigued by throughout your work in, in this upcoming film festival is, is the idea of art as this universal language that can communicate social, economic, environment, 
challenges and opportunities. So when like when you hear art as this universal language or art as this tool for the SDGs, like why what is it about art and and why why can art be a tool to help promote and advocate for the SDGs? Sure. So art to me right now is where gender was about 10, 15 years ago. So when we thought about gender 10 years ago, um, it was a lot harder to get people involved and for them to take it seriously. They might've thought, oh, you know, it's women's issues. Oh, you know, it's centered around this or that. It may or may not work. But the data, as we all know, shows us that if you give a, a man a microloan in whichever small um, underpopulated or poor poor area, good luck to you. It may or may not come back to you. But if you give a woman a microloan, not only will you get that return, but it's going to um, benefit the entire community. And so now um, when we're talking about development, you really can't move forward with projects. You would, you would really fail to get funding if you haven't considered gender as front and center. I'm thinking art is having that same effect now. Art is having kind of uh, an amazing renaissance right now, a renaissance period in the development space because art and artists are playing a critical role in helping society visualize and approach and process complex challenges. And it's one of the universal languages we have, like you said. So it's a unique way to better understand the resilience agenda through community engagement. Um, I mentioned research and data before. And one thing that's really exciting me right now is there's more research that is going into making this case. I was, um, I was actually reading something earlier last week about art integrations. The formal term is art integrations and development interventions. So essentially looking at art as a primary driver in social change as opposed to supplementary, which it has been historically. And uh, in this research that I was reading, there was a paper, it was published by um, the Norwegian University of Science and Technology. And it basically said that art could actually be a primary driver of social change in the sense that um, it could be effective in altering public opinion. So the example they gave was they, they basically did a case study where different uh, participants went to an art gallery and looked at different types of art presented to them. And they found that um, the art that had what's called awesome solutions and met certain parameters um, changed public opinion about their positioning as a, a citizen and how they could affect or take climate action. This is really, really exciting that resources are going towards research like this because it's, it's helping us have more backing to make the argument that art is important towards the resilience agenda. And honestly, with COVID-19, which we're still going through, we're still in the pandemic itself, it's really important that we reimagine how we're going to achieve the SDGs. And therefore, how can we also reposition art to help with those discussions? That's really the question at hand. 
I love the concept of how we use art to impact public opinion and, and sort of influence public perspective over time. And I think that there's, there's so many mediums of art, uh, whether mm. it's written, whether it's audio, whether it's video, whether it's a painting. And we're now seeing both the physical world to the digital world and this whole rise of non-fungible tokens, NFTs, and that's a whole other story. Um, mm -hmm. But I'd love, like, what's an example that you maybe have? Like you, you touched on this case study just there, but from an example of how art is effectively acting as that primary driver of change. Like, is there anything that you've been involved in or something that you've seen in the past 12 to 36 months where art has been the primary driver of change? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my favorite example to give was when I was living in London, um, I was living quite close to a great space. It's called the Welcome Galleries, two L's. Uh, and the Welcome Galleries is a free museum, and it's also a bursary fund that basically explores the intersection of art and science. So essentially what they'll do is they'll give a bursary or a grant to a scientific group that's going somewhere in the developing world to do a project. And they will couple them with an artist. And the role of the artist is to create work based off of what they see and what they observe that this scientific group is doing. So the exhibition I saw, which I have to say was pretty pivotal in, you know, sparking my interest to look into art integrations more. Um, there was a small group that went to Malawi and they were doing HIV AIDS research. There had been um, an outbreak of HIV in a small area of Malawi. So their initiative was to go there to um, disseminate information, but also to do HIV testing. So a photographer was coupled with this group and went with them. And I think they, they of course meant well when they went into these small villages, they went in and handed out small little flyers that was translated into the local language that talked about getting HIV testing and asked them, their call to action was, please come to our, you know, our clinic to get tested, know your status. Wonderful. But after a month, no one came. No one came to get tested. And of course, the photographer has very little to, to do because there's no material to work with. So this is looking like a failed mission, essentially. But before the group decided to leave, the photographer was actually the one who had an idea. He said, okay, we're going to go back into these same villages. And they did. And instead of giving out materials, they gave out these small little cards translated to the local language that said, please come get your photo taken. Please come get your snapshot taken. Now, this idea of having your own portrait, your own photograph, um, might sound like nothing for a lot of people in in an impoverished area. This is a luxury. This is very exciting, right? So this same makeshift tent that they were using for testing, they changed into a small photography studio. And they it was very cool. It was a makeshift tent. And inside, instead of it being an actual testing facility, they put some fake certificates on the wall. They put a little um, 
little things that you would find in a doctor's office, you know, just a couple of things on the desk. And the most interesting part about what they did was they had lab jackets for everyone who came to take their photo. So these were white jackets um, that looked like doctor's coats, which is kind of a symbol of the West, Western medicine. But the interesting part is on the cuffs, on the sleeves, they were either gold which I think is kind of a universal symbol of opulence, especially in Africa. Or they also had a traditional batik um, patterns, which was more symbolic of local. So it was this wonderful integration of West meets local and Africa on these jackets. And slowly but surely, people came to get their photos taken. So they put on these jackets and um, they go behind the desk to get their photo taken. And I think what was fun just as an onlooker was to see some of the poses. These people were so excited. They were animated. They were lively in their photos. And at the end, when they were given their Polaroid or given their photo on the back, it said, please know your status. Please come get tested. Here's some information about HIV, again, in the local language. And by the end of the month, not only had they had a very successful project in taking photos, but people were now coming to get tested for HIV. Now, what does this story tell us? It tells us that art indeed can be this primary catalyst for how humans behave because it is a universal language. The idea of coming in um, kind of, especially with Western ideologies and practices is not necessarily what is best for everyone, especially not the global majority in black and brown world. But art was a way in which we were able to connect one world with another and get something positive done. So, in this case, photography was the primary driver. And there are plenty of examples just like this of where art is being harnessed in a positive way. A great example. And that's a really unique story in terms of, as you mentioned, how art can connect two worlds. And I think it's always important from the development context, as I asked you before, is to, to never go in and let's say from a Western ideology into an African setting or a, to, to an Eastern setting, like never trying to shove your system of way of how you do things down someone else's throat. Um, I think yeah. as I've learned from doing projects myself of most important thing is working with the local community, reverse engineering the solution that's best for them in their language and their culture and making it work. And, mm -hmm. but I do think that there's a lot of value in sharing cultures and sharing best practices in a way that's appropriate. And, and you, you so beautifully talked about this connecting worlds through art. Um, and, and I'd like to kind of, you know, even expand on that with, with your work now, um, obviously that was a good example of that you gave, but I know you've, you've got a lot going on with your own organization, art unknown. So um, you know, give it, dive into that a little bit more. So like, what, what is this art unknown project and, you know, how is, how is that being used to, to be a primary driver of change for um, black and brown voices around the world? Sure. So first I have to say, I'm really humbled and honored to be included in the NGO International Film Festival. And one of the reasons is because um, 
it, it's very good example that reinforces some of the things I'm saying about art, you know, this idea that it's aiming to disseminate human interest stories that are themed around the SDGs and how it's promoting knowledge sharing, how it's promoting, you know, campaigns that can help with activism and policy. I love that. And, and that is really a part of what my mission is with Art Unknown. So Art Unknown is actually a production company that primary mission is to amplify Black voices in spaces that you wouldn't necessarily see them. So formally, it's the intersection of art, African avant-garde, and the diaspora. So what does this mean? This essentially means finding unconventional art in unconventional spaces through Black voices. Um, I think that we can all agree that the world is, is changing, but this is a really excellent time um, in terms of diversity and inclusion, but also seeing the importance of telling Black stories. Um, as I mentioned a bit before, the global majority is the Black and Brown world. So it is more important than ever that the Black and Brown world have the opportunity to one, tell their stories, uh, but be included and at the table when it's coming to the, um, the decade of action, which is how we're going to bolster the SDGs. So um, Art Unknown is having a really exciting moment at, at this moment because uh, we have produced our first short film out of Mexico. And Mexico is a great place, I think, to start with this mission of amplification of Black voices because of its interesting history and relationship with Africa. Uh, up until now, this concept of Afro-Mexicans or Africans in Mexico is not something that is known much about or talked about. But historically, if we're looking back at um, just enslavement in the diaspora, 16th and 17th century, the second largest slave port in the world was out of Veracruz, Mexico. There's even documentation of them shutting down these slave ports because they were, they were always worried about rebellion because one out of two people in Veracruz were indeed African. So how can we go from that one out of two people being African to there being no Africans or Afro-Mexicans in Mexico. It doesn't make sense. And it's essentially not true at all. I was watching um, a documentary with Dr. Henry Louis Gates at Harvard, and he was saying that the one drop rule, which was traditionally used in the US to identify um, black people, meaning if you have one drop of black blood in you, you're considered black. If that was applied to Mexico, quite a lot of Mexican people would be considered black. Um, but it wasn't until last year that the government even allowed uh, those of African or Afro-Mexican ancestry to um, formally declare themselves to be of that indigenous sect on paper. So what does that mean? That means these groups that do exist um, can't benefit from social safety nets. They can't benefit from government funding. They can't benefit in a lot of ways. And that, that kind of perpetuates poverty. So Art Unknown is really 
uh, geared towards including Black voices, um, and specifically looking at the SDGs. Um, I think Art Unknown really wants to look at SDG 5, 13, and 17, which is gender equality, climate change, and partnerships for the goals. And um, again, we just finished our first short film talking about celebrating the cultural and spiritual um, presence of Africa in Mexico, which has been uh, featured in two different film festivals out of San Miguel de Allende. And we're really excited to continue this work. That's so exciting. And kudos to you on this, this firm first film and, and, and bringing, bringing a conversation like this to the forefront of everyone's, everyone's mindset because as you mentioned, it's maybe something that people don't really think about or they hadn't considered it, but that's, that's the beauty of art. And, and I think being able to communicate a new message in a way that is inviting. Um, I think, as you mentioned from the story earlier in Malawi, or Malawi is it's sometimes just like reading a flyer is like whatever you may have the best message or the best story, but like, if it's just like a flyer, it's, not really going to resonate and be kind of boring, but I think this power of the film is, is such a unique platform. And, and I'd love to now, I mean, even further that, like, how are you encouraging others with, with your organization to, to get involved? I mean, it seems like you have a a great storytelling ability and you've got the, your, your, I saw you, I saw you in the one interview too, interviewing, uh, was named Pablo Suarez. I mean, that was, you, you were great at interviewing almost like I'm trying to emulate you right now with, uh, this asking you questions, but <laughs> I'd love to, to see like, how are you trying to amplify and empower other black and brown voices to communicate art? And like, do you have to be like a film producer or do you have to be a photographer to get involved or, you know, how are you approaching that? Yeah, it's a really good question. And to answer your question backwards, the answer is no. You don't have to be an active, you know, videographer or photographer to be involved in the SDGs. And you certainly don't have to be um, a self-proclaimed artist to be involved in the arts. One of the beautiful things about art is it's a universal language for everyone. And there's no qualifiers for it. Um, you don't need to be a self-proclaimed painter to paint something. You don't need to be a self-proclaimed singer to sing. Um, But I like that art is encompassing of communities. And again, going back to what the mission is, it's using art as a way to convey difficult messages and complex messages and to use that um, in in order to achieve a common goal. Um, I think that art unknown, one of the reasons why partnerships for the goals, SDG 17 is front and center for us is because we recognize that the way to really bolster social change is through partnership. You don't have to do it alone and you shouldn't. And more often than not, there are going to be organizations that have a bigger or wider global reach and more resources, but don't necessarily have the missions that you do that can kind of springboard off of your missions to get the reach that you want. So Art Unknown at this time is really working towards partnerships in different spaces so that we continue to do work. Documentaries is um, the next area that we want to go into. And we've already had several really uh, 
interesting um, communications with uh, potential partners that could be really exciting for us. Um, when I was referring to our short film, we had, that was our first time having huge corporate partners. One was uh, Cristina Pineda and Pineda Covalin, which some of you might have know as one of the biggest fashion houses in Mexico. So this idea so we're not a fashion organization, but the reason why we were approached was because they were interested in this idea of amplification of Black voices. So do you see what I'm saying? When there's alignment between missions, it's, it's really what's going to drive social change forward. And so my hope is that in continuing this work, there will be other organizations that see the value in in um, finding unconventional Black voices in unconventional spaces and giving them the platform to speak. That's got to be a tagline, the unconventional art and unconventional spaces for Black and brown voices. Uh, I think that to me is just like this North Star of your organization that's super compelling. And, and I, I can't wait to kind of watch the film and get involved. But for, for others that are now interested and in, in like you said, don't, aren't professionals and, and, and maybe very, they have an idea or they've got some creative concept. Um, what, what's a way that they might be able to get involved with you or collaborate with some of these programs that you're working on? Well, of course, we are always available through social media um, and you'll find us at artunknown.org and you'll find us all over LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook. So if you want to be involved in any of our causes, feel free to reach out and we're happy to hear from you. Um, I don't mean this even exclusively to Art Unknown, though. I know that there are so many different organizations that don't necessarily have the exact same mission, but... I say any move that will um, move the needle on the SDGs is a move forward for all of us. And outside of the UN, outside of these larger organizations, you can find organizations in your own community that are grassroots, I guarantee it, that are looking at the SDGs and how to improve them in, in smaller spaces. I think that is just as important as, you know, the work that we do um, through these multi-million billion dollar organizations. The point is we're all global citizens and we're all citizens and humans. So I'd say one, any move you do on a small or a large scale is, is getting us towards that North star. Love it. Yeah. And you'd be surprised everyone. If you just look right outside your backyard, there's most likely other people, similar mindset that are trying to do something positive for others. And, I couldn't recommend more using apps like Clubhouse or Twitter, Reddit, just to find who are out there and, and see how you can get involved. Or, of course, <laughs> reaching out to Taylor here uh, and, and seeing if you can get involved with Art Unknown because there's, if you want to help uh, and, and, I, and you've got that, that pure, genuine uh, desire to just want to be of service to others, your actions really can make a difference. Um, and Taylor, Absolutely. I think you are, you're a living proof of, proof of just aligning your actions uh, with your ambitions and, and just really taking action and helping others. So, so thank you and kudos to you and everything that you've done within your, uh, your life so far. Thanks, Kevin. I really appreciate it. And thanks for having me on today as well. Of course. We'll look forward to staying in touch and I can't wait to watch the film here shortly. Great. All right. Take care. You too.
We hope you enjoyed today's episode of SDG Talks as much as we did. Check out the show notes for all the resources and please reach out if you think you're a good fit for an interview or have another idea for collaboration. Catch you next time and make sure to keep on SDG talking.